0: So we're reading from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus.
1: Well, good day, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church, Modbury. Really good to see you. And you don't get to see this. You don't have my perspective, but this is great from where I'm standing. So uh, we didn't get to have an all-ages spot this morning, which makes me a little bit sad and, in fact, even a little bit lonely. See, I'm standing up here now and I don't have a chance to get a a helper, a volunteer up the front. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyway. So is there anyone out there? I need a, I need a helper for this next second. Anyone going to volunteer? Anyone able to help me? Mike, come on up. Come on up, Mike. Everyone give Mike a clap. Now, Mike, I, I did tee it up with Mike a little bit that he'd put his hand up, but Mike doesn't actually know what we're going to do. Ooh, there's something nasty on that seat. I'm going to wipe that off for you, Mike. But in a moment, Mike, you're going to sit up there. And um, look, we've just had... Uh, uh, a, a foot washing in the Bible. We're going to have a foot washing right here in front of us. So Mike, why don't you take a seat? You might need to take your shoes off. Glenn's going to bring our, our tub of water down the front here. Uh, take off the shoes and socks. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Have you seen a foot washing in public before? Oh, someone has. Oh, there you go. There you go. I haven't. I just assumed everyone's like me. No one has. We'll pop it down there in front of him. Thanks, Glenn. Now... Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Pop your feet in, brother. Is it warm enough? Excellent. Mike, how long's it been since you've given them a wash?
0: <laughs> About
1: an hour. <laughs> About an hour, he says. Now, now, Mike's feet, I'm going to be honest, they aren't all that bad. But back in Jesus' day, people had to wash their feet all the time. Here's the soap, Mike. See, back in Jesus' day, um, there, there are no cars, so you end up doing a lot of walking. There's no driving. How's that? Excellent. And, and they're doing a lot of walking, but it's not on, it's not on like our concreted paths or roads because... Oh, I spilled a bit there. I hope this doesn't electrocute us. <laughs> uh, there's no, there's no paths to walk on. It's, it's just dusty, dirty roads. And it's not just that it's dusty, dirty roads, but but they don't have their... What have you got there, Mike? They're nice enclosed Nike shoes. No, you haven't got Nikes there, but that's okay. Uh, there's no enclosed shoes. It's just all open sandals. And so you can imagine, can't you, very quickly, feet get dirty. Not Mike's feet. They're not like this. Mike's feet are pretty all right, actually. Uh, but back in Jesus' day... Uh, they would have been filthy. So washing feet was, it was not something that kind of anyone and everyone did. It's, it's a really lowly job. It's not pleasant. In fact, it's something that the slaves used to do. But not just any odd slave. See, if you were a Jew like Jesus, you got the non-Jewish slaves to do this. That's how bad it was. Because it's a really humiliating thing. Let's take your foot, first foot out of there, Mike. We'll dry this one off. No worries. It's a really low job to wash someone's feet. And yet we just saw that that's exactly the thing that Jesus did. How's that? Excellent. We'll try the other one now. Why? Why would Jesus do such a humiliating thing? Such a lowly thing? Why would Jesus do that? We all done? Excellent. Excellent. Everyone, give Mike a clap. Thanks, Mike. You didn't really know what was going on there. It took a bit of bravery. Now, we're partway through our series here called One Another. It's a series where we're thinking about how we as a church relate to one another. A lot of this has overlap with how we treat all people, but particularly in this series, we're thinking about how we treat our church family what kind of relationships does god want us to be fostering so far we've been talking about uh uh, uh, loving one another accepting one another bearing with one another and today we turn to love uh, not love serve one another and that's what's really at the heart of jesus washing his disciples feet It's all about serving. Jesus serving his disciples. And and not just serving his disciples, but serving all people. And then all his people serving one another. So today, I've really just got two questions for us. The first question is, have you been served by Jesus? And the second question we're going to ask is, are you serving one another? Why don't we pray before we go any further? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here together. We thank you for your word which speaks to us. And we thank you for our Lord Jesus, who washes his disciples' feet. Father, we pray that as we look at this today... You would capture our hearts by what you are telling us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point, the first question today is, have you been served by Jesus? In John chapter 13, we had Jesus washing his disciples' feet, going around the circle, wash dry, wash dry, wash dry. And his disciples, they're probably feeling a little bit awkward about this, a bit weird, and why is Jesus doing this? The murmurs are happening, but no one says anything to Jesus until he gets to Peter. Peter just, he can't restrain himself, he has to say something. Look at verse 6, Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You can hear what Peter's saying, can't you? It's, no, Jesus, you can't do that. That, That's beneath you. It's as if Simon Peter is trying to defend Jesus' honour, to stop Jesus from stooping so low, because that's just beneath Jesus. But the problem is that Peter doesn't realise yet what Jesus is doing Jesus says to him, you don't get what's going on here, Peter. But Peter doesn't listen. And so Jesus tells him plainly in verse 8, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Because this isn't really just about washing feet, is it? And that's what Peter doesn't understand. But here Jesus is giving us a picture. See, the very next day... Jesus is going to be hung on a cross. And this feet washing, is, it's a picture, it, it's to help the disciples see what Jesus is doing on the cross. See, Jesus goes to the cross to wash us, but not to wash us uh, from, from dirt, not to take the, 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 the stains of walking off our feet. Jesus goes to the cross to wash sins away from people. Now, this is one of those times, then, that Jesus says something that's very confronting to us. Jesus is saying that we're dirty, that we're unclean. Not in the sense that we need to go and have a shower, but but that our sin has made us dirty. That's something I just don't, I don't like to admit that about myself. But if I'm honest with you, deep down, I know that is true about me. It is true. I feel that it's true about me too. I feel the, the dirtiness of sin. Uh, let me give you just maybe one example from my life. Um, some of you will know I've got a two-year-old daughter, Eva. Uh, Eva is at this point in life where she's starting to assert her will. Uh, some of you know what this is like. Um, she's starting to test where the boundaries are, saying no to things. Uh, not listening to, to what Pippa and I are saying. It's a completely normal stage to go through. You, you you laugh because it's the terrible twos and you've been there. But there are times when, look, this just gets to me. And in me, the the anger rises up. And in my frustration, it can bubble out. And, and I yell at Eva. And I get really cranky with her. And a few moments later... I, I feel all wrong. I, I kind of get ashamed of myself. It's, it's like I want to kind of step outside of my skin and then say, well, that really wasn't me. I'm trying to distance myself from what I've just did, but, but it was me. I feel the yuckiness of that sin clinging to me like the sweaty shirt you've just done a workout in. You just want to rip it off, but you can't. Now, my feelings don't always give me an accurate picture, accurate picture of, of, of what's going on, but they can be a good indicator, and they are here a good indicator, because they make me realize I'm not right, that I'm unclean. And I'm pretty sure that feeling is something that I'm not the only one that has that. That's why Jesus goes to the cross. Through his death... We can be washed clean, purified before our God. Look again at what Jesus says. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus offers to wash us clean. So, so what's your stance then towards Jesus? Will you let him wash you of your sin? Some of us will be like Peter. Some of us will be like Peter and our initial response will be, no, no, Jesus. See, Peter didn't think he was worthy to have Jesus wash his feet. And some of us might think similarly. We might think, no, no, we're not good enough. Jesus shouldn't have to do that for us. We're we're ashamed by our sin and we feel weighed down by it. We feel the dirtiness of it and we think we don't deserve it. Others of us will feel like, well, again, we'll say no, but for a completely different reason. We'll say no to Jesus because we don't really think we need to be washed all that much. Sure, you know, I appreciate Jesus. I think he's all right. Uh, but really, I'm kind of doing okay without you, Jesus. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but, but on the balance of things, I'll be good enough. Uh, God and me, we'll get on all right. Friends, if if you've said no to Jesus, I just want you to pause and hear his words again. He says, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So if you're here and you, you feel like you don't deserve Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus to wash you, actually you're right, because none of us are worthy. And that's the whole reason why Jesus died. He dies because we aren't worthy. That's why he does it. That's the glory. That's the love of Jesus. He's under no obligation, yet he does everything to wash us clean. Friends, if you don't think you're worthy, let me tell you now, Jesus is standing with arms wide open, waiting for you to come to him. So today, will you come to him? Maybe you don't think you need Jesus to wash you. If that's you, I don't know if there's any way to politely say this, so I'm just going to say it. It, Jesus disagrees with you. The only way to have a part with Jesus is to admit that we actually need him, to accept that his death washes us clean. So will you do that? others of us here whose dance to Jesus is to say yes yes Jesus please wash me clean some of you have done that already friends if that's you today I want to say rejoice because Jesus is true to his word he'll wash you clean Jesus is true to his word he'll wash you clean so don't go anywhere else that is, your good works, your church attendance, your, your Bible knowledge, your good moral Christian life, not even the fact that you serve others, nothing, nothing, none of those things cleanse, none of those things wash us, none of those things take away the dirt of sin. Only Jesus does that. So rejoice that Jesus has done that for you, friends, and don't move on to anything else. Stick with Jesus. So that's the first question. Have you been served by Jesus? Have you let him wash you clean? That's the biggest question, the first question, the the most important question. And if the answer is no, then that's really the only question I want to pose for you today. Will you let Jesus serve you? That's the real big thing you need to wrestle with. But if you answered yes, yes, I've been served by Jesus. He's washed me. If the answer is yes, then there's actually a second question to go on to. And that's this one. Are you serving one another? Are you serving one another? Look at what Jesus says. This this comes straight after he's just washed his disciples' feet. He sits down and he tells them that this has implications for how they relate within that little Christian community. This is from verse 12. Jesus says don't you understand what i've done for you you call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that's what i am now that i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet i've set you an example that you should do as i have done for you jesus tells us wash one another's feet not in the literal sense not like i did for mike here but washing one another's feet, it's a picture of Jesus going to the cross, but it's also a picture of service, of our service for one another. Jesus is saying, serve one another. So my question is, are you serving one another? At first, it might be easy to answer, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm on the roster for this thing, I'm on the roster for that thing. I'm serving other people around here. And it's so easy in churches like ours for this just to get slightly twisted, bent out of shape. And when we, when we get twisted service, oh, it just never ends up well for us. Our serving always loses its power. So I want to I run through a couple of examples of what I mean by twisted service. Here's the first one. Uh, twisted service. When I'm serving one another to serve myself. That's twisted service. I serve you. I might even do it a lot, but really it's all about me. I do, this thing, I do things so that you'll notice me, uh, think highly of me, maybe even praise me for doing it. And this is not just something for the upfront people, is it the musos and the service leaders and the preachers. No, no, I can clean the toilets out the back there in the hope that you'll hear about it, and when you hear about it, your admiration will grow for me. See, this is something that all of us when we're serving, can do. We serve others to serve ourselves. But when I do this, my service loses all its power. I end up being more worried about how others think of me, and so I stop doing what's good for them. I become more concerned about doing what makes me look good in front of them. And I become so concerned about getting it right, about not messing up and looking bad. And so each time I go to serve, my worries start to rise. Will I get it right this time? And eventually, I'll just stop serving altogether. Because I want the focus on me. And when I don't get what I want out of it, what's the point of serving anymore? I'll just give up. So are you serving one another? Or are you really serving one another to serve yourself? Here's another way that we can have twisted service. When we serve one another with resentment. as when I serve you, but I I really don't want to. I, I mean, I'm never going to say that directly, but my heart's not really in it. In my mind, I'm thinking, I just want to get out of here. I really don't want to do this anymore. There might be lots of reasons why this resentment builds up. Maybe I've been doing things for ages and I'm just sick of it. Maybe I feel like everything gets done by these same few people over here while the the rest of, of everyone else just kind of doesn't help out. What are they doing? My resentment builds. Maybe I've got resentment because, well... The pastor asked me to do it so I couldn't really say no but I just wish he'd left me alone when my service gets twisted like this it it loses its power yeah I keep doing my bit but I don't really care for it I end up not really worrying how it gets done as long as it gets done if it's a bit sloppy who cares look I did it isn't that enough I'll end up despising the, the people that I serve because I see them as not doing anything. They're not helping me. Why shouldn't they help? Why They should help me. They've got to be doing what I'm doing and my resentment grows. And again, if I'm serving with resentment, eventually I'll just stop serving because over time the resentment will just grow too strong. I'll, I'll see a way out and take it. I'll make an excuse to get out. But but serving with resentment never ends well. So are you serving one another? Or are you really just serving with resentment? Has it been twisted for you? Look, there are lots of ways that uh, service can be twisted like this. But they're all like a bent broom you ever had a bent broom? I sure have, all the time. It all starts when I go to the shops. And there's two options in the shops, isn't there? There's the option for the, uh, the $15 broom that looks pretty sturdy. And then there's, there's the $5 broom, which is labelled smart value. You know this, don't you? I always buy the $5 broom. And they're right, it is good value, it's just not smart. Because within a few months, I'll be, I'll be sweeping, 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 and I'll just sweep too vigorously, or maybe it's I have too much power in my arms, who knows. But pretty soon, the broom ends up like that, with a big kink in the middle. And when it's got that big bend in the middle, it's useless, it's good for nothing. In the past, I bought one to show you. In the past, I've tried taking, breaking it right off, But that's just useless as well, isn't it? Who wants to (coughs) sweep like that? So we're left with nothing. The floors stay dirty until I go to the shops and I make the same mistake again and buy the $5 broom. Except now Pip's actually stepped in and she's gone the $15 option and we have a broom with a sturdy handle, so happy days. But twisted service is like a bent broom. You can try and use one, but it just won't work well and in the end, it eventually breaks, and you have to stop. You can try a twisted service, but really, when we do that, our service loses all its power, and eventually, we'll stop serving altogether. Now, it's ten fifty nine. In, a, in a, about a minute, <clears throat> pardon me, we're going to stop and remember uh, those who gave their life on the battlefields for us to bring us peace. As Christians, this is right for us to do. Uh, we need to be thankful for all things that God has given us, including those who have served us in this way. And not only that, it helps us remember the real the the the, the way that Jesus has served us by giving His life to bring us peace as well. So it's about to hit eleven o'clock. I'm gonna we're gonna just spend a moment in silence, uh, a moments a minute in silence reflecting on, remembering these uh, fallen men and women and thanking God for them. I invite you to join me for a minute. Uh, It's right for us at this moment to to pray to God, isn't it? Let's pray. Our Father, you tell us that till the end of time there'll be rumours of wars and, and wars happening and this is sad, a part of the broken world that we live in. We thank you that you've given in our country men and women who have given their lives so that we have peace now. We pray in our country that this peace would be enduring. We thank you for those that continue to serve us overseas and pray that you would uphold them, uphold their lives, uphold their health. We thank you for for those who gave their life. We pray for comfort for their families. And we pray as well, thanking you for Jesus who gave his life to bring us peace with you we look forward to that day when, when peace finally wins, uh, when Jesus returns and all things come unto him. Help us long for that in the midst of these days when wars continue. Help us hold, hold on to Jesus as the great hope of peace. We ask in his name. Amen. So we're talking about serving one another. We've seen that Jesus has served us. And if Jesus has served you, then the next question is, are you serving one another? Because that's what Jesus calls us to. We might quickly say yes, but there are ways that we can think we're serving one another, but really we've twisted it. We've twisted it around. I mentioned two of those, when we serve one another to serve ourselves, or when we serve one another with resentment There are lots of different ways we can do this. Serve one another out of guilt. Serve one another out of mere obligation. Serve one another just because I'm a people pleaser. All these things disempower our service. So what is it that actually then empowers us to serve? What kind of things help us keep serving one another and, and, and not get twisted? How do we do that? Again, there's lots of things I could say here, but really I just want to mention three things. Three things that that empower our service. And the first is knowing the gospel. That's just what we saw in, in John 13, wasn't it? That is, once the disciples knew what Jesus had done for them, once they'd experienced Jesus serving them, only then did Jesus call them to serve one another. Because that's when serving one another becomes natural. When we've actually been, when we know Jesus and, and know the way that He's ultimately served our greatest and deepest needs, oh, it's just a normal thing to overflow into service of one another then. Now, of course, we can have stretches in our life, times when we kind of forget the gospel, forget what Jesus has done. Not that we forget it entirely. But that we kind of just taken it for granted. It's become so familiar. And our minds get caught up in other things. And the gospel realities move just into the back of our heads. Uh, they're not the first thing we think about. They're, the gospel isn't the thing that's driving our life. So, are you finding it hard to serve one another? Is it because the gospel has really just faded to the depth of your mind? If that's you, what can you do in your life to bring the gospel back to the front? So the gospel is front and center for what you do. That really empowers service. And our service is also empowered when we know who we're serving This is true in the sense of us knowing one another. That is, the better I know you, the more likely I am to be really joyful about serving you. But it's also true in a different sense. That is, when I'm serving you, I'm not just serving you, I'm actually serving God at the same time. And that changes everything. Because if I'm serving God, it matters less that you don't thank me it matters less that i haven't been served in all of these ways before it matters less in in all sorts of ways you know of course it's been nice it's nice to be thanked and it's nice to have others serve us too but but i can still serve you without those things because i know i'm serving god and i know that he sees my service even if even if nobody else does and i know that it pleases him and and isn't that just stunning that I can please the God of the universe just as I serve you. That's stunning. That's empowering. So are you finding it hard to serve one another? Is it because you've really forgotten that you're serving God too? If that's true for you, how can you change your life? How can you change your life so that you become more and more aware of this great reality that you're serving God as you serve us. Here's the third thing I think that will empower our service is when we see the fruit of what we do. That is, when we see the way that God is using our service when when we see what he does with our bumbling and fumbling efforts, uh, when when we see the good things that come from what we do, that empowers us to serve one another even more, doesn't it? So pray. This is one prayer I often pray. I pray to God that he let me see the fruit of what I'm doing. I encourage you to ask God that he would show you the outcome of your ministry, how he's using your ministry. Ask him to show you the fruit of what you're doing. For some of us, in certain ministry areas, this might seem a little more obvious than others. So, for example, the leaders in the kids' program, they can pray for the kids and pray for the kids' growth and a growing and rich young faith. And then they can pray that God would give them the eyes to see that growing and rich young faith. The fixed leaders at youth group could do the same thing. Or the community group leaders could do the same thing with their community groups. It might seem obvious for some ministry teams how that would work. But I think that's actually something that we can all do. So, for example, maybe you're part of the logistics team or the morning tea team. You could pray something similar. Pray that God would give you eyes. Eyes that see how the setup helps people come together. How, how the morning tea helps people mingle and chat. How, those thing, how these things help our church just in our life together. Because what you do plays a huge part in helping that happen. Or or maybe you're part of the the sound team or the band. Pray that God would give you eyes to see, eyes to see the fruit of your service. To see how the music and the sound that we hear actually helps lift our hearts up to God. To, To praise His name when we're all together here. Because what you do really shapes all of us as you do that. We can all ask God for this, asking Him to see the fruit of our service. Now, maybe God won't answer our prayers with a yes straight away, but keep praying and keep serving one another. Keep looking out for how God is using your service. And then also, keep looking out for the ways that God is using other teams, other areas of ministry, things that you aren't involved in. So if you're a muso, look out for how God is, what God is doing with the fixed youth group. If you're in logistics, look out for what God is doing with the music team because we all form part of the one body. And when one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice with them. Our service is empowered when we see the fruit of our service. So the second point, the second question today is, are you serving one another? Many of us will quickly answer yes, but what I wanted to do is just put the pause on that, put the brakes on that just a little bit and ask, are you really serving one another or or has that become twisted? And then there are some things that empower us in our service, but there'll be some of us here who actually would answer no to this question. I, I don't think I am serving one another here. Trinity Church, Modbury is your church, but for whatever reason you've just not gotten into serving. If that's you, I really hope today hasn't made you feel guilty, because again, guilty is one of those horrible things that can twist our service. But I hope you've started to see what Jesus has done for you, and, and, and that that makes you excited to serve one another, because it really is exciting. And the truth is, if you don't think you are serving, you probably, you probably actually are. You're just serving in informal ways. Uh, things like your hospitality, your welcoming of newcomers, and, and those kinds of things. But I wanted just to mention quickly uh, how you could start serving formally around Trinity Church. Just really, three quick, practical things you could do. And the first thing is to um, just pop your name on the tear-off comment card here. Uh, write a name and a phone number. Tell us, I'm interested in serving. Now, that, don't worry, you're not gonna be, we're not going to hold you to having signed on the dotted line then. All that will happen is one of the pastors will just give you a call during the week and, and we'll just start a conversation and we'll see where that ends up. The second thing you could do is to ask someone who is serving. Ask them about the team they're serving on. Ask them what they do, what they enjoy about it. Ask them about any fruit that that God has shown them from their service. Maybe you think, yeah, I could give this a crack. Whoever whoever you're talking to could probably help you put you in touch with a team leader, someone who can help you join the team. So ask someone what they're doing. The third thing is to pick up one of these booklets. These are up the back. Uh, They're called Made for More. These are great. If we run out, there's only a few up there, but if we run out, we'll print more often. There'll be some next Sunday. These are fantastic. Uh, Noel's put these books together. It's just got a quick description of all the different teams that happen around Trinity Church, uh, a little description of them all. And You you can have a quick look through there and go, oh, that would fit. That might not fit, but this one would. There are lots of different things you can do to start serving uh, one another formally if you haven't yet done that. Now to finish, I want to encourage you. Uh, I've been asking the question, are you serving one another? You know what the stats say? The stats say you actually are serving one another. In the month of October, 96 people served in formal ways here in our Sunday gatherings. 96. And on top of those things that happen here on our Sunday mornings, there's all sorts of other things, like our fixed youth group leaders on the Sunday afternoon, our community group leaders throughout the week, our our, our practical care team uh, during the week, meeting up, having pastoral visits with others, uh, our link missionary team who keep in touch with our link missionaries and who help us keep praying for them. And, And more than that, overall, we're looking at something like more than 120 people, 120 of us, Serving in formal roles just in the month of October. That's wonderful, I think. That's great. I I was delightfully stunned when I saw that. Yeah, we need to make sure we don't um, get our serving twisted because that really disempowers it. But that's fantastic. Over 120 of us that isn't something for us to go and be proud about but it's something to say thanks to god for thanks to god for one another for the ways that you have been served by one another thanks to god for giving you the chance to be involved in that and maybe you want to start to be involved and i've given you ways to be able to do that but this is a great stat a fantastic stat and something i think it's worth stopping now and, and praying and just thanking god for that. so let's pray together and thank god for what he's doing what he has done And what he's doing amongst us. Let's pray. Our good and gracious Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus who serves us. We thank you that his service of us isn't something light. We thank you that he does the ultimate thing in dying for us so that we can be washed clean. God, for those of us who haven't been washed by Jesus, we want to pray. Please keep helping us to wrestle with this. To, to, to understand if we want to come to Jesus. Father, I pray that that those who need to would. And Father, for those of us who have been served by Jesus, washed by him, help us to serve one another. Father, if our service has become twisted, help us see that, I pray. We ask that you'd help us Uh, To do the things that empower service, to know the gospel, to remember that we're serving you. Give us eyes that see the fruit of our ministry too, Lord. We thank you so much for those who have served us and who continue to serve us week in, week out. Help us rejoice over these good things that you've given us. And help us to continue to, to love serving one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, the musos are about to come up, and we're going to sing a song. This is a great song. Uh, It's called, This Life I Live. It reminds us that our life isn't our own anymore. Jesus has actually bought it. Our lives belong to Him. And that radically shapes how we use our lives. So I invite you to stand. The musos are going to lead us through this. Uh, Stand and sing with us.